0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BDW. Root. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is the Craig Peterson experience. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a Wolverine purr. On VSYN, the sports Betting Network.
3: This is our number two of the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. We've got a tremendous hour coming up as we're talking a little bit of everything. Eli Hershkovich does great work over at the Lions, and he's a man that reigns out there in Chicago. He is out in lovely Las Vegas this weekend, and we're going to be chatting with him about what we're seeing in week one, be able to get his thoughts. We're also going to be talking a little baseball. If we've got time, just a small bit of college basketball futures conversation with him. Here in segment number one, going to be taking a look at the MLB slate that we are getting on this wonderful Friday. As every team is going to be in action, so we've got a lot of fun there. So let's get it all kicked off with what I'm going to be giving out for DK Nation here on Friday. Hopefully, this turns out better than the Miami Marlins under. I am very salty that the Marlins scored three runs or fewer in 30 of their last 33 games, and they decide, of course, they are going to wake up on Friday or on Thursday. Let's see if we can wind up having some lively bats on Friday, though, because we're going with the opposite of what we wound up going with on Thursday as this is the Cleveland Guardians on the road facing off against the Minnesota Twins for the Twins. It is a circumstance in which we're going to be trotting out there. Dylan, don't call him Al Bundy. And with Cleveland Guardians, Cal Quantrill, he gets to start in a relative pick'em game. Most spots, you're finding this line in the neighborhood, about a minus 110 both ways. You might wind up finding the Minnesota Twins in the pocket of about minus 105. And you might get the Cleveland Guardians more in the neighborhood, about minus 102, minus 105. But relative come game total anywhere between 7.5 to 8. Most of the 8s, they've got heavy juice on the under end. DK Nation pick, we're going to be taking a look at the over with Dylan, don't call him Al Bundy. Very, very good stretch recently. He's actually given up two runs of fear in each out of his last six starts. Been getting a tad bit lucky in terms of the contact in general, especially at home where his ERA is sub three at home. It is well north of five on the road. And prior to the month of July, he was posting up north of a five ERA. He wound up being able to keep the ball in the yard in the month of August. The Cleveland Guardians, they have the highest variance between home and road home runs. And it's a team that for the Cleveland Guardians, they wind up having Right around 65% of their home runs this season come on the road. You've got a trio of guys. Jose Ramirez, Andres Jimenez, along with Josh Naylor. They've been able to give the team 15-plus home runs. And it's a Guardians team that they do just a tremendous job of being able to move the line in general. They have the lowest strikeout rate in all of baseball. I mentioned what you're able to get out of Josh Naylor. He's hitting in the pocket about a 260, and then Jimenez, along with Ramirez, throwing their Steven Kwan amid Rosario. These are players that are hitting at least a 280. Oscar Gonzalez has been hit nearly a 300 as well for the Minnesota Twins. They have been without Byron Buxton and also Ore Palunco for a little bit, but they still do a great job of being able to move the line themselves. They've got a bunch of gentlemen that are hitting between about a 265 to 275, Kyle Garlick, Carlos Correa able to throw in there, Jose Miranda as well. These are guys that have been able to do a very solid job on that front. Carlos Correa, he winds going deep in New York on Thursday as well. And that's part of it as well. This is a Minnesota Twins team that they're coming off of a doubleheader on Wednesday. On Thursday, they did have to go into the bullpen a little bit as well. They've had their bullpen throw 13 and a third innings over the past 48 hours. This is a little bit of spent bullpen and not necessarily a bullpen that is lighting the world on fire They've got a guy in Dylan Bundy, who I mentioned the fact that he's been giving up two runs or fear in all these starts. He has not went past really six innings in any of these starts, though. So, you are going to need to look to this bullpen. Juan Duren has been able to do a good job. He's posting up a sub-2 ERA. Actually leads the big leagues in terms of relief pitchers that have thrown 100 plus miles per hour, and then you've got guys like a Trevor McGill who have been relatively solid for the CMG. Giovanni Moran, I do like him. He, in my opinion, doesn't wind up getting enough love in this Minnesota Twins bullpen, but also, got guys like Emilio Pagan, and it's just a Pagan when you wind up taking a look at him. But overall for the season, Minnesota Twins, 17th in the league in terms of bullpen. ERA, that is a little bit of an issue. The Cleveland Guardians, now, they have been absolutely lights out in terms of the bullpen. But Cal Quantrill, he has been in innings, either going at least six innings, and six out of his last seven starts, alone exception his last start. And you may recall his last start. That was the game we got on Sunday where they had the game against the Seattle Mariners. He had a four-hour and 33-minute rain delay. That was not necessarily too great. Hard to have a starting pitcher windy coming back after throwing three innings and a four-hour and 33-minute layoff. You would have been able to pretty much finish like two Lord of the Rings movies in that time. So Cal Quantrill was able to come out after that, but he has not been getting a lot of strikeouts. Really, both of these starting pitchers in terms of Dylan Bundy and Cal Quantrill. Career lows for both of them. Six strikeouts per nine innings for Cal Quantrill. You've got Dylan Bundy at right around 6.4, so both of these guys, they're going to have the ball beat and play quite a bit, and the Minnesota Twins, they've been doing a solid job of generating offense at home. Five out of their last six games at home, they have been able to get at least four runs up on the board. They do a good job of being able to move the line. Someone like a Luis Rice has been leading the American League for much of the season in terms of batting average in the neighborhood, about a 315 on that front as well. So you do have a pair of teams that are able to move the line. Have my question marks when it comes to this Minnesota Twins bullpen, how badly taxed they are. And on top of that, they wound up having a little bit of an evening game out in New York have to fly back. The Cleveland Guardians, they get a little bit more of a clean day off from Thursday, so that helps them out in this circumstance as well. I am willing to take the over in this spot. I want up setting my total a little bit closer to an 8.8. Balls are going to be in play uh, greatly. Cleveland Guardians have been much better at hitting the deep ball on the road rather than at home, so I do wind up making the Guardians more in that pocket of about a minus 115 favorite with Cal Quantrill going. So in terms of a money line play, take a look at the Cleveland Guardians. DK Nation right up. That is going to be on the over. So that's what we're looking at on that one. How about if we want to take a look at a few more American League games? And we're going to go to more of the top of the board on this one. 967, 968 on the board. The Baltimore Orioles and Boston Red Sox are going to be hooking up in Charm City. That would be Baltimore, by the way. As Austin Both he gets a start for Baltimore. Brian Bayo is on the bump for the Red Sox. 967, 968 on the betting board in terms of rotation numbers. And NF is the total Baltimore between a minus 128 to a minus 135 favorite is the number for them. Sting straight minus 126 over here at Circa and when it comes to Boston, finding them between plus 115, plus 120 and for Brian Bale, he's starting to wind up getting the positive progression that he does deserve. This was a guy that really got unlucky towards the beginning part of the season. Over his last three starts, he has given up five runs over the course of 15 innings, so nothing that is going to go out there and is going to be shocking or anything like that, but much better than the beginning part of the season. You take a look at his fielding independent compared to his ERA, and it's just astronomical. 299 fielding independent compared to a 591 ERA. He is pitching relatively well, wound up getting very unlucky in his first few starts when he was called up to the big leagues on balls in play. Now things are starting to balance out. The reason why I still like this over, though, is for one, Brian Bayo not going to lend a lot of length. He's averaging right around four to five innings at starts. so little bit of an issue. He knocks himself out of games early because even at the minor league level, he was averaging a little bit over three and a half walks per nine innings. And you don't want to leave it to chance when it comes to this Boston Red Sox bullpen because they are terrible. They are dead last in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA post all-star break. And they lead all teams in terms of post all-star break ERA by a full half a point. You got so many guys like a Edward Bazzardo. We're going to throw in there Matt Barnes, Jersey Familia. Bunch of guys posing up a north of five ERA. They're without Tanner Houck right now. Garrett Whitlock has been solid for this bullpen, but he's only one guy, and he's not going to be able to fill four-plus innings all by himself. And for Baltimore, Awesome Voth has been incredible for this team. Wanda, coming over from the Washington Nationals, I think it is very important that with Awesome Voth you look at what he's done specifically with Baltimore, rather than what he did for the entirety of the season because while I was with the Washington Nationals, he posted up an ERA north of 10. They were trying him out of the bullpen. It clearly was not a fit for him. Ever since he has come over to Baltimore, he has been a new man as he's getting eight strikeouts for nine innings. That's a little bit below his career average, but nothing too bad, but 271 ERA has went five plus innings in each out of his last six starts. He's turned into a nice pitcher for the Orioles, and on top of that, with the Baltimore Orioles, they back him up with a bullpen that ranks in the top five in the big leagues in terms of ERA. They did wind up trading away Orde Lopez at the trade deadline, but Joy Crebiel CNL Perez, Dylan Tate, Keegan Aiken, these are guys posting up a 3-2 ERA or better, and Anthony Santander, in terms of a power perspective, he's been able to launch 27 home runs for the Baltimore Orioles. He has been absolutely amazing for this bunch, and you've really got good balance with the Baltimore Orioles. Your table setter is Cedric Mullins, and you'd like him to be a little bit higher in terms of the batting average rather than a 260. He's fallen off a little bit from last season, but the guys behind him have been much better. Ryan Moncastle, he's been hitting right around the Mendoza line of 200 post-all-star break, but he's still hitting in that pocket about 245, and then Austin Hayes, Ramon Urias, who I mentioned before, Mullins, Italy Rushman, Santander, these guys are all hitting between a 249 to a 260. And then for Boston, I do think that they're going to be able to get a couple runs up on Awesome, both as well. Take a look at his fielding independent compared to his ERA. He's doing for a little bit of, shall we say, positive or negative regression is the proper term in this case. But with Boston, Rafael Devers, he's been able to launch 25 home runs. He's needed a little bit of help in terms of just power in general. And the Boston Red Sox, they went out at the trade deadline. They got Tommy Pham. He's got between 16 and 17 home runs this season. And it was without Trevor Story for much of the June, July into early August month. Now, Trevor Story is back in the fold. That winds up being able to help out from that respect now. J.D. Martinez, really, ever since the beginning of the month of June, and it has not necessarily been too great for him, but you've got Christian Vasquez, Alex Verdugo, pair of guys fitting in the neighborhood about a 285. But the reason why I do look at the over in this circumstance is that I think Brian Bayo is going to be able to lend a relatively solid start for this Boston Red Sox team. There is no trusting in this bullpen whatsoever, and the Baltimore Orioles may be able to do a good job of being able to win these games late when they were getting a run in F. They were such a good run line cover team now in these tight games. They haven't been able to pull it out due to that bullpen. As a result, I did wind up making the Baltimore Orioles a rather sizable favorite. I personally made them more in the neighborhood about a minus 155, so I'm going to be willing to take a look at the Baltimore Orioles in this spot. I do think that the Red Sox, they are going to be able to get to both a little bit in this spot as well, so I'm taking a look at the eight and a half over, and something else I'm taking a look at is going to be the Chicago White Sox with Eli Hershkovich. He's a man that he hails from Chicago. Also going to be diving into week one of the NFL season as Eli joins me in studio next right here on I'm Greg Peterson, experience on Visa, the sports betting network.
4: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VCN, the sports betting network.
3: Your next win is brewing. Play for free fantasy baseball, football, and basketball with draft time matchups presented by Miller Lite Draft in 13 contests and compete for your share of $41,000 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DriveKings.com slash now to get in on the action. Miller Light, great taste, less filling. 21 years or older, terms and conditions, and other eligibility restrictions. They do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And as per usual, celebrate responsibly as we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience. And great to be joined by Eli Hershkovich. This is a very funny story as he works over there at the Lions. He is able to do his work over there in the city of Chicago. He's visiting Las Vegas for the weekend. And Eli, it is great to have you aboard because we've known each other since college. And I'll let you lay it out a little bit more as well. But this is our first <laughs> time meeting in person after we met each other in college before we wanted getting into really sports betting. We knew about it a little bit, but now here we are in lovely
5: Circa. And this is the first time we get to meet in person. Oh, for sure, Greg. Great to be with you in person and, You hosted a college radio show. I hosted a college radio show. We were all
3: and UW Oshkosh.
5: Exactly. Go blue demons. No, I I bet against the blue demons uh, whenever there's an opportunity to do so. But yeah, I mean, we both kind of try to make our way up in the industry and we both saw a lane with sports betting. And I bet when I was younger, not to the extent that I do now, not from a financial standpoint either, but you know, I I was into sports betting and, and you saw a lane, we both saw a lane and we both talk about college basketball for a living, so it's a good time.
3: Yes, it certainly is, and I can tell you right now, when you wind up getting out of college and you wind up studying media, you have to find ways to be able to make it through those first few years, and the way that I wound up making it through, ironically enough, was by betting UT Arlington and Little Rock (laughs) College basketball my first year. Chris Beard.
5: Chris yes. Beard, Little Chris Rock.
3: Chris Beard when he was at Little Rock when they wanted making that run to the 2016 NCAA tournament and UT Arlington was a team that was so badly underrated that year. I still remember they were like a two and a half point road favorite against Rice. <laughs> they were up twenty to two. That was a Kevin Hervey year, and I was able to make a lot of money off of them. So that helped me get to where I am today. And be able to wind up making heater to lovely Las Vegas. And congrats know, on everything, Greg. Thank you. And congrats to you too, Eli. I know that you've had a nice come up as well, and you've been able to not fall into the same trap as the DePaul blue demons. And <laughs> I can tell you myself, a little bit of an underdog coming from a D three university and to be able to make it here. It is very, very heartening and something else that is great because I couldn't do this at UW Oshkosh is look at more power football. And we've got the NFL week one slate, Before us, we wound up seeing game number one between the Rams and the Bills. No money to be made there anymore, but when it comes to gauging this week one slate, were there any spots that you thought were relatively good to be able to take a look at? Because what I think is just so intriguing about it, 10 week one home underdogs now, technically nine with the LA Rams being all said and done. But that said, we still have nine home underdogs on the board, and it just feels like a good week in general to wind up taking some points.
5: Yeah, and I'll get to those. I have two home underdogs, two divisional home dogs that we'll get to in a second, but the first bet I made for NFL Week 1 was the Giants. I grabbed that a couple weeks ago when it was still plus 6. Now pretty much it's plus 5.5 across the board. The big thing right now is the Giants' injury report. Even though that line hasn't ticked back up to 6, I still think it can if Ojalari and Thibodeau don't play, and I would expect the Giants to be a little bit cautious with their first-round pick or one of their first-round picks in Thibodeau. But... You think about the Giants' offense, and granted, you still have Daniel Jones, so there's a lot of you know a, a little bit of hesitation to back New York. I think from maybe your your sharper betters, because even though New York upgraded its offensive coordinator and its play caller, now head coach, and Brian Dable, you still have Jones at quarterback. But from an offensive standpoint, Dable runs eleven personnel. The lot, the uh, the Titans. Are transitioning from their three linebackers from last season. So, and one of them, Harold Landry, is done for the season with a torn ACL. Their sack leader going back to last year. I think the Giants will be able to space this team out. The Titans' defense, from a secondary standpoint, too. There's nothing to really ride home about with Tennessee in the back four, back five that they're playing. You know, if they're if they're it's third down, third and long, whatever it may be. Even though New York is still a little banged up offensively, I know Kadarius Tony has been banged up throughout August. Uh, You know, depth-wise at wide receiver, if you're a fan of Kenny Galladay or not, it's fair to be a little bit hesitant with New York offensively, especially with Daniel Jones. But I'm back in the Giants at plus six, and I'll play this down to plus five and
3: a half. I know that there's a lot of people that have been out there saying, you know what, Mr. Kenny Galladay has been stealing a lot of money, and I can't disagree (laughs) with them, but might be just enough to be able to get the Giants just in position in general. And I do think that it's fascinating to take a look at the total because you mentioned it, with Varner being out of the fold, leading Aaron Sacks from last season for Tennessee. We've seen this total stay relatively steady, anywhere between 43 and and 44. Thibodeau, he also has that injury. So those are two very big defensive cogs that are out of the fold. But as we know, when Tennessee is humming along, firing all cylinders, they're a team that they want to hand the ball to Derrick Henry. They're not looking to air it out so much. When it comes to a total standpoint, do you have anything on this one? Because I think that there's just so much here. I think that in the end, 43 and a half to 44, a relatively solid number. But with all the injuries, I think it could be a relatively sneaky spot for an over.
5: Yeah, one of my guys at the lines, Brett Coulson, is on the over. I think he grabbed it at 43 back, uh, maybe a couple months ago when it was still sitting at that at that uh, number. The big thing is though with with the Titans, and and you mentioned you mentioned Henry. If, if the Giants are a little more healthy up front than it appears to be right now, again, if Oja Larry at least can play, I think the Giants can match up in the front seven and Stymie Henry a little bit. I wrote about this in my betting preview for my, all my week one bets over at thelines.com. And you think about, the again, the the front seven and the Titans losing two of their offensive linemen going back to last season. You still have Taylor Luan, which I understand, and he's one of the best left tackles in the league when healthy. But they lost two of their best run blockers going back to last season. So, again, if the Giants are healthier than it appears to be at the moment, if ogilary and... Thibodeau can suit up, probably more likely towards the former than the latter. And and Thibodeau, I think New York can hold their own in the front seven and, and limit Henry a bit on the ground.
3: And by limiting Henry, we mean keep him below like 150 yards. When that guy is firing all cylinders, it is big for the Tennessee Titans. But as we know, when you wind up running the ball, it is a case where it uses up quite a bit more clock as well. So we shall see what happens in that one. You're a man that, as I I mentioned a little bit earlier, from Chicago. I feel like it's in my contract to bring this one up. Bears versus the San Francisco 49ers. Juice has come down a little bit. You're able to find the 49ers more around minus 105 to even juice on the 7. But this is 7 across the board. This is one of the hardest games, in my opinion, to evaluate because I don't want any part of the Chicago Bears this year I don't want to lay seven with Trey Lance, though, as well. I honestly think that in terms of this game and this game alone, and really for much of the first half of the season, Jimmy Garoppolo gives the San Francisco 49ers the best chance to win. I think that that could be different in, like, 2023, 2024. Upside for Lance is very big, but the lack of experience with Lance just keeps me off this one. I'm not sure if you want to firing anything in terms of this game, but... I take a look at the circumstance. I cannot wind up laying seven with the 49ers, even though I am not bullish on the Bears at all.
5: A lot of betters from a teaser standpoint, are teasing San Francisco down. But then you see the injury report today, and it appears that George Kittle isn't going to play for San Francisco. Obviously, their best pass catcher. Maybe I take that back for a second. Maybe Debo Samuel, you would throw him into the conversation. Probably their best playmaker. Kittle is their most explosive. One of the
3: best tight ends in the league, yeah.
5: Right, exactly. So, I mean, they are two of the best weapons in the NFL, whether you want to rank them one or two from a pass-catching standpoint. I can't get behind the Bears though, man. Even at plus seven, I understand it's a sharper play, but you think, and Lance is a sharper bet too to win MVP. We had Jeff Benson on from Circa. I know you're a big fan of Jeff's, and yes. uh, he mentioned that Lance throughout the, throughout the offseason has been one of the sharper bets to win MVP, and now he's bet down at Circa, down to 16 to 1. Uh, maybe if you look at the injury report on Sunday, maybe there's a, a chance for you to convince yourself that the Bears can hang around within a touchdown, but uh, that's not one of the home dogs I'm looking at. That The Bears I'm staying away from, and I'm staying away from San Francisco from a teaser standpoint too.
3: I do not blame you there, and when it comes to what I'm going to be filing in for my Super Contra test circa millions, I have to pick my five I've pretty much just X this one off and I said, you know what? This is one that we don't wind up having to take. We will look for other opportunities. And you mentioned as well, this is not going to be a game that you take, but take me through another home underdog that you like on this NFL week one card.
5: Yeah. Houston, which is gross in itself, right? Because if you think about maybe the way you might have your power rating set, bears and and Texans are probably in the bottom four of the NFL. Yeah. Houston, for me, though, has a little bit of a matchup advantage against this Colts defense, and that might come as a surprise to some of your, your listeners, but the Colts overperformed last year defensively, and first and foremost, you lose your defensive coordinator in, in Matt Eberflus. I know Gus Bradley has been a, a, a big part of some elite defenses in the league, maybe one in particular with the Legion of Boom with the Seahawks when they were just getting started. Uh, a decade plus ago, but with the Raiders last year and that defense improved a, a decent amount. My issue is with, with the Colts going back to last season, uh, number two in turnover differential and number two in turnovers forced in the league. So that number you would think is going to take a step back. They lose their top cornerback in rocket Yes. You get Stephon Gilmore, but he's also, I want to say 32. And other than that, all the same pieces are there for Indianapolis on the defensive side of the ball. I think Houston's gonna be able to take advantage of this team through the air. You might not be a fan of Davis Mills, but Pep Hamilton and Houston have some camaraderie. Coming back,
3: and we're gonna be coming back with that next right here on VSN, the Sports Betting
5: Network. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: Kick off the football season with Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook all year long. Bet Rivers is your go to sportsbook for all football related content. Check out BetRivers.com or download the, download the Bet Rivers app for the latest odds, unique promotions, player props, and so much more every week. BetRivers.com has unique football specials to help you win big. Cheer on your favorite teams and your favorite players with Bet Rivers. It is a whole new game as we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience being rejoined by Eli Hershkovich. Does a great job over there at the Lions. And Eli, we were talking about this game a little bit off air. I mentioned the fact that you're from Chicago. I'm from (laughs) Wisconsin. Now we've got to take a look at the Green Bay Packers since we wound up looking at the Bears in the last segment. And with the Packers, between a one and a half to you were seeing a lot of twos a bit earlier. These have mostly dried up. You might be able to find a straight two, but we're mostly finding one and a half on this one with the way that you're evaluating this game. Eli, take me through it because Green Bay Packers. It is a very much a new look team. And I think that that's a angle that you're looking to attack as well.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So, Devontae Adams goes to the Raiders in the offseason, and I understand that Aaron Rodgers has, well, first off, and you have a two-time MVP a quarterback, it's hard to doubt the Packers. But from an offensive standpoint, from a wide receiver standpoint, Devontae Adams and the Vikings-Packers over their last six games, the, the six times they played to one another, Devontae Adams has accounted for nearly 40% of the Packers receiving yards. So, you take that into account on top of the fact that uh, Alan Lazard might not play for the Packers. He hasn't practiced all week. I would assume he's out at this point. But we'll get a better sense tomorrow. It, it, it's hard to, for Minnesota in the back, in the secondary, uh, you don't have a lot that you love besides maybe Cameron Dantzler, who's a younger cornerback that I'm high on in the, in the long term, and he performed well for Zimmer down the stretch. Uh, it, it's overall, though, for, for Green Bay, it's hard to have a ton of faith Um, At the wide receiver position, even though the Vikings secondary does have its fair share of issues from a talent standpoint and from a uh, potential standpoint, just going back to last season and their ability from a a coverage uh, scheme, even though you bring in a new defensive coordinator in Ed Donatel from the Broncos. But looking at the offensive linemen in particular for the Packers, you have Elton Jenkins, who's been limited pretty much all week, David Bakhtiari, same thing. One of the two of them might play. It's probably Bakhtiari if it's, got, if it's going to be one of the two. Maybe Jenkins He's suits up. Means up
3: all year anyway.
5: Right. So if the Vikings are able to get pressure, which Donatello is going to supply his fair share of that, I think Aaron Rodgers is in a bit of trouble. And then you look on the flip side of the ball, the Packers did address some things defensively. They have one of the better secondaries in the league, but from a run-stopping standpoint, I mean, they were bottom five in the NFL last season. They didn't do much to improve that. The Packers are, or the Vikings are going to run much more 11 personnel under Kevin O'Connell. Dalvin Cook has been one of the most efficient running backs in the league out of 11 personnel. I think Minnesota sets things up. I know everyone's talking about, okay, how is Cousins going to perform under o- under O'Connell? I think it sets up against the Packers through Dalvin Cook. And then Cousins is able to attack this secondary that, again, is above average and is probably top 10, top 5 in terms of cornerback talent. Uh, but I think Cook is able to have his, his, his success and then it sets everything else up for the Vikings offense.
3: And something else I'm taking a look at because I like the Vikings in this circumstance, it's a case to where I think they are going to make my card in terms of the circa millions. I've been looking at this Vikings game and the more I take a look at the Minnesota Vikings, the more I like them in this spot. And another factor that I'm taking a look at being someone from the great state of Wisconsin, It feels like every single year the Green Bay Packers get off to a rough start. We all remember R-E-L-A-X. We remember (laughs) last year. They got destroyed by the New Orleans Saints. We remember, I mean, even the fail Mary game. It was a while ago, but that was an early season game that the Packers did not pull out. They probably should have pulled it out, but they did not wind up pulling it out. Is that something that you would factor in in terms of this game or perhaps another game as well? Because I even take a look at Tom Brady. When you're able to beat Tom Brady, typically it's early on during the season.
5: And I do think that that is a little bit of a factor to gauge week one. Well, I think, and I'm not a trends person when I, so I'm just prefacing because you know how Twitter can get great. Oh yes. You know, when you tweet, tweet out trends and you get attacked like none other. So by no means am I saying blindly bet this trend at all. But since 2009 divisional home dogs are 19 and five and one or either 19 five against the spread. It's, that's not to say, again, to back that number to, and therefore you back the Texans, which we discussed in the last segment. Therefore, you back the, the Vikings at home. No, that's not the reason why I'm backing those two teams. I, I explain why my rationale for, for each of those. But teams and when you're familiar with a, a certain personnel, the Vikings are familiar with this Packers defense, a Joe Barry defense that can get exposed on the ground. The Texans are familiar with this Colts secondary, a pass defense that can get exposed through the air. On top of the fact that the Packers were the number one seed, I want to say, in the NFC last season. So you think about from a market standpoint, the Packers might be a little bit overvalued. The Colts, from a market standpoint, after getting Matt Ryan, even though you're replacing a turnover prone, to say the least, Carson Wentz, I think the Colts are overvalued from a market rating standpoint. Granted, I'm much higher on the Vikings this year than I am the Texans, but I think that's a fair rationale to say you don't back, it's a fair number to bring up from a trend standpoint, but there's a reason why behind that. It's because the road favorites in those instances are usually overvalued from a market rating perspective.
3: And typically when it comes to the trends that we wind up bringing up, there's a reason why those trends actually become profitable as well. So great that you wind up playing that out, Eli. And there's one reason why the Chicago White Sox were not playing well during the early part of the season <laughs> in my opinion as I know you're a White Sox fan and we talked about this a little bit off air. It's really your main team that you do back from a little bit of a fandom perspective. But the sure. you know, White Sox, they wind up winning 14 to 2 against the Oakland A's. This game wanted going final right when I want it coming on air. And Eli, I know you've got a little bit of position on the Minnesota Twins, but I take a look at this White Sox team and all of a sudden, the one thing that they needed to have happen for them Tony La Russa go out of the fold. It has happened. I believe that they are 6-2 now without him.
5: Do the White Sox have a little bit of value now in the AL Central and might be able to win the division, in your opinion? Well, if you don't have your manager falling asleep in the dugout, you probably... It uh, helps. Right, it definitely helps uh, from from that standpoint. But you mentioned the Twins. I was probably the only person in this book watching Twins-Yankees down the stretch in that game when everybody was watching Rams-Bills. I had a bet on the Twins' uh, bet that's Sonny Gray and Minnesota on the money line. Luckily, Jorge Lopez and, and Michael Fulmer didn't give things up tonight. A couple jams in the 8th and the in the ninth, But, yeah, going back to the White Sox, Giolito is pitching better, and he's a guy that benefited a lot from spider attack, but that's one thing that's in the White Sox' favor. He seems to be – his command is a lot better. When Giolito's command is off, things can go off the rails. Johnny Cueto, from a, from a, a peripheral standpoint, should be getting hit much harder than he is – but he pitches to contact, and he does it really well. So if, if you're one of those betters that goes on baseball savant, which I do a lot, and you look at Johnny Cueto's stats, you say, how is this guy pitching that well? I'm going to fake Cueto at his next start. And granted, the Sox lost earlier in the week when Cueto was at, was at the Mariners, but he still pitched well. I think he gave up like an earned run in six innings. Yep. Dylan Cease is likely going to be the Cy Young. I have a bet on Cease to win. Uh, Cy Young at 11-1. Verlander one. going
3: on the injured list was big for that, by the way.
5: Oh, for sure. I, I'm assuming you have a Verlander back because you had to preface that. Uh,
3: no, because I've just been gauging this all throughout because I felt like about a month ago, it was a three-horse race between Verlander and McClanan. and I felt like whoever could wind up stay healthy because I felt like with the Astros having such a big lead that they might wind up shutting down Verlander a little bit, you hate to see him wind up getting hurt, but that was a little bit of an angle that I was looking at that presented a little
5: bit of value on Cease. Yeah, and Cease has been one of the best pitchers in baseball throughout the season. Yes. That, that goes without saying. Especially on the road. Oh, of course. The one the one area that, I mean, you look at the White Sox lineup, they, they scored, what, 16 runs tonight? 14. They're, they're 14 runs. Okay, I gave them two extra. But it's warranted because they're starting to hit the baseball in the air. The one factor for the Sox down the stretch is Lance Lynn's velocity because it's way up. If you look at that Mariners start on Monday, I want to say Sox closed as minus 130 and the Mariners were coming off, you know, a a 13 inning game at at Cleveland and the bullpen was was toast from us from that standpoint on that the travel day and that day of but Lynn's velocity was way up there from where it was in previous starts. So the Sox down the stretch, I think you can upgrade their pitching staff overall beyond Cease a little bit. I'm hoping the Twins can win the division because cash in a plus four hundred ticket, even though I that's my one piece of fandom left as a better is the White Sox. If the Minnesota wins the division and the and Dylan Cease wins AL Cy Young, I'm a happy person, even if the White Sox miss the playoffs.
3: Hey, if that winds up happening, you might as well go down to Barry's downstairs and have yourself a nice dinner.
5: Had that Perfect. last night, Greg. Had there that last night. There we go.
3: Perfect. <laughs> you can have another nice dinner, whether it be berries or something else. We've got plenty of them out here in lovely Las Vegas. And we've got about 30 seconds left. Got to get you out here because I know that you've got a nice college basketball futures ticket that you've got in play as well.
5: Long shot. I have one more college basketball futures bet that I'll give out in a couple of months, but... Florida at 120-1. to This is back in April. I wrote this up again over at thelines.com. Before the Colin Castleton news broke that he was coming back, you bring over a a good defensive coach and one of the best young coaches in college basketball, Ntai Golden. Castleton comes back. Kyle Lofton. From a guard standpoint, I I know Florida's in the SEC, but this roster uh, from a turnover perspective and from the guys they're bringing back, Myron Jones, again, Castleton. Reeves is a very promising sophomore at the three. Clearly, you know I could talk college basketball yes. all day long, Greg. But I, I think Florida. It's, I mean, uh, it's more about the number than believing that the Florida Gators are going to win it all in Todd Golden's first season as coach. But at that price tag, I, I play the uh, play the number.
3: I love it. And coming next, talking a little baseball, right here on Beeson thing though It is football season, and betters know that this is when the money is made. Nobody knows football like Veasan, and now is the time to become a Veasan Pro subscriber and get our comprehensive college and pro football guides. Only Veasan subscribers get all the tools to prepare for the college and pro football seasons. Our experts provide profiles on every single team with advanced stats and power rankings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, player awards, and so much more. Sign up early and for a discount of one hundred seventy-five dollars. You'll receive both guides, plus VEASAN, full access all the way through the Super Bowl, or for just $40 a month, see everything VEASAN has to offer to up your sports betting game. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all your options and become a part of the Sports Banking Network as we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, and great to get Eli Hershkovich aboard. A little bit of a reunion there because, well, not necessarily a reunion. I think I might have used the wrong word, but a little bit of a... Something that needed to happen that wound up happening. We've known each other since college. First time I was able to meet him in person. Wound up e-meeting each other quite a bit through things like video chat and what have you. But great to get Eli in studio. And we wound up getting our pro tip during that chat with Eli as we give out one of these every hour on every show. So we give you 20 a day. You have to be a VSIN subscriber to get them. vison.com slash subscribe. You're able to sort them by show and by sport. And the one that we wound up hitting upon with Eli a little bit different than what he wanted, giving up, but sort of in the same wavelength since the 2015 season. Underdogs in week one within the division. So home or road, just a game of which involves two teams within the same division. 28, 9, and 1 against the spread are those underdogs. So something that you want to be taking note of. And in the final hour, I'm going to take you through what I'm taking a look at in terms of my Circa Millions board and some of the games that I've I am trying to decide on, I have yet to submit my five picks and something I do think is very important as well. If you're in the Circa Millions, if you're in the Westgate Super Contest, insert your contest here and there is a set deadline, try to use as much time as humanly possible because we were talking about with Eli in the games that we were taking a look at with him. There are some questionable players like an Alan Lazard of the Green Bay Packers, the injuries on the defensive side of the ball for both the Tennessee Titans and the New York Giants. Get as much information as humanly possible. When it comes to something like the Circa Millions, that line is not moving. You see, like, the number of seven in the Colts versus the Houston Texans. You could have the entire Houston Texans team. Friday morning, they ride the roller coaster. In the words of Dodgeball, everyone breaks every single bone in their body. number is still going to be seven. If you're trying to bet it out the counter, it would not be a seven. So, always do keep that in mind, but... With that said, what we've also got to keep in mind all the great guys behind the scenes that they do amazing work. Jason Kahn, he has just coordinated a absolutely tremendous guest list as in our number three. We're going to have a UFC roundtable. Going to be a big week of fights out here in Las Vegas. And I've said it a few times on the show, and I'll say it again. Big fall in general. For those of you guys that love the USC, it is going to be great betting action and not just great betting action, but just great viewing in general. And Jason set that up. Always appreciate his hard work. We've got Nick behind the scenes. All the graphics that you see here on vson.com, they are courtesy of our good friend Nick. Taylor gets me set up on audio, so everything winds up winds up sounding very sharp so a big thanks to these guys they are the best in the business it says a great peterson experience but it takes a team to be able to make this work and let me tell you right now if you tried to have me pressing buttons and everything like that this would not be a show that you'd be seeing right now we would be off the air i would just be sitting here like a fool in a glass box talking to myself and that would not be good at all so let's try to give you guys some winners here on the MLB card and we took we took a look at a few American League games earlier this hour Let's take a look at the National League side of things. Let's start in my home state of Wisconsin. 959, 960 on the board. Got the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, in the words of Bill Belichick, we are on to Cincinnati. They're onto the road. They're facing off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Jason Alexander. No, not the guy from Seinfeld. He is going to be going for the Brewers. And Nicola Dolo is on the bump for the Reds. Reds are between a plus 120 to a plus 130 underdog between minus 139 and minus 140, so relatively tight there in terms of the differential that is your price on the Milwaukee Brewers. And total on this game is 8.5. Needed at least a plus 128 to fire in on the Reds. Most of the books here in Vegas are offering the Reds at plus 130. I'm willing to take a shot, with Nick Lodolo has been very good at being able to get swings and misses. Now, first start against the Milwaukee Brewers, He gave up three runs in four and two-thirds innings. That was a little bit over a month ago. That was in Milwaukee as well. But Fort Lodola, been able to do a nice job holding down the fort, 11 strikeouts per nine innings. He's working with a bullpen as well that hasn't been terrible recently, which that sounds like a very low bar to clear, but this is a Reds bullpen that throughout the entirety of the season, they have been dead last in terms of ERA. has not been a good state of affairs, but had a couple guys be able to step up. Someone like... Ian Gabo, Buck Farmer, Alexis Diaz. These guys have been solid, and Alexis Diaz has been more than solid. He, overall for the season, has in the neighborhood about a 2 ERA. You do worry that the Cincinnati Reds wind up having to play a game on on Thursday, but with the Milwaukee Brewers, they played a double dip on Thursday. That puts them even further, buying the 8-ball. And for the Brewers, things have went straight down the toilet bowl ever since the Josh Hader trade. They were leading the NL Central. They wind up selling off parts at the trade deadline, despite the fact that they have a division lead. And shock, shock, surprise, surprise, people were not happy about it. The Milwaukee Birds are not playing with that same zeal that they did a little bit earlier on during the season. I, I mentioned it with the Reds' bullpen being able to improve. You take it since August 1st, they ranked both in the big leagues in terms of bullpen your A. And it's not too shabby. Ever since Josh Hader wanted getting traded away, so we use that arbitrary date of August 1st. They rank 18th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. Brad Boxberger has been solid, posting up a sub-3 ERA, but able to get good production out of Devin Williams. Three-on runs a lot over the course of his last 42 appearances, but guys like Brent Suberter, Hobie Milner, they have not been good. Who they acquired for Ader, Taylor Rogers, he's been almost as bad as our good friend Josh Hader. and if you're wanting to take a look at a trade that wound up working out for nobody whatsoever, that trade, it might wind up finding that that sort of I guess you could call it category, but you do take a look at the Reds on the flip side in terms of their offense. They did wind up trading away a few pieces at the deadline. They have been able to have good frontline production though. TJ Friedel, Kyle Farmer, you're able to throw in there. We're going to call it Donovan Solano. Solano's hitting right around 300. Other two gentlemen that I mentioned hitting between about a 260 to a 270 with Farmer double-digit amount of foamers. These guys have done a very solid job of being able to move the line. Not as much home run power, but they do a good job of being able to make general contact. And they're going up against a pitcher in Jason Alexander that should not be at the big league level. I do not know why the Milwaukee Brewers are having to give him starts. I felt like they had a couple better options in their farm system, even though the farm system not necessarily great to start with. But for Jason Alexander, a pitch of contact guy that gives up nearly 3.8 walks per nine innings. To be a pitch of contact guy that gives up 3.8 walks per nine innings, unless your name is Dakota Hudson, and Dakota Hudson is as lucky as can be at the big league level, It's not going to work out for you. Fielding independent for Jason Alexander is hovering right around a 5. The ERA, it is in that neighborhood of 5. He gets 5.3 strikeouts per nine innings. He has been not necessarily great at home. He's been not necessarily great on the road. The one thing that the Brewers have, they're able to go deep. Rowdy Tellez, William Thomas, Hunter Renfro, all at least 24 home runs this season, but they don't have that one guy that can move the line. Christian Yelich has had to become the leadoff guy. Got a thirty-five million dollar a year leadoff guy who's got in the neighborhood about a three-sixty on base, two-sixty batting average. As he Renfro, I mentioned a little bit earlier, Casiniera, he's been relatively solid. These guys have been able to do a nice job of being able to reach base, but they don't have that one table center that winds up being able to help out this this lineup. So I do think that for the Milwaukee Brewers are a little bit overpriced. They are going to wind up missing the postseason if you're still able to have. Some sort of playoff props out there in terms of a yes, no. The Brewers are probably very jockey to the no. I cannot advocate for a yes at this point because I do think that the San Diego Padres, they do wind up getting that final wild card spot. So it's a circumstance where I am going to be taking a look at the Cincinnati Reds. I think that they provide some value. So if I might turn a little bit closer to a nine as well. So here at the eight and a half, going to be taking a look at the over and We're going to touch on this game very briefly because I did mention the Padres if I've got time, I'm going to go back to it a little bit later than this quick once-over, but 963, 964 on the board. It is the Dodgers. They're on the road facing off against the San Diego Padres as Mike Levenger goes for the pods, and Dustin May on the bump for the Dodgers. And the Dodgers, they're between a minus 149 and a minus 165 favorite between plus 140 and plus 145 is your number on the San Diego Padres, with 8 being your total in most places. DraftKings has the lone 8.5 that I'm seeing, but I do like this total under whether you got an 8 or an 8.5. Dustin May, if you saw his rehab appearances, he was getting 13 strikeouts per 9, and he's at the minor league level now. He's made three starts at the big league level. He has had two very good starts, and he had one bad start. The bad start is where he wound up giving up five runs to the San Diego Padres. Meanwhile, the two good starts, they were against a Miami Merlin team that, Prior to Thursday night, they had scored three runs or fewer in 30 out of their last 33 games, so very small sample size. Mike Clevenger has been a very interesting cog as he's been getting right around eight strikeouts per nine innings, about one home run per nine innings, Hasn't necessarily been great, hasn't necessarily been terrible, but I think that he's going to be able to do an okay job in a very pitcher-friendly ballpark in San Diego with the bullpen. Starting to find it a little bit more Josh Hader has looked a little bit more respectable. So looking at the under there, if we've got time at the end, I'll give you guys a little bit of a view as to the money line on that. But coming up next, going to be going through week one of the NFL on v the Esports Banking Network.
4: What's the guarantee?
1: What's the guarantee? Hey, Derek! What's the guarantee?
0: The biggest pro football contests in Vegas are back with 12 million in guaranteed prizes. There's two ways to win. There's two ways to win. There's two ways to win. There's two ways to win.